When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On SEN Tassie, Jack and Flash. With Jack Revolt and David Lithgow. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another monster edition of Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lithgow. Thanks to Harrison Agents, as every Friday morning, Tasmanian real estate experts. We're live on 1629 SEN Tasmania, 1611 SEN Track Northern Tassie, and right around the country on the SEN app coming up. This is a monster show. Colin Carter, the author of the Carter Report, for a deep dive to debunk some of the myths around the Tasmanian licence bid. Cricket Tasmanian CEO Dominic Baker and Jack will reflect on a big week with the mighty Tigers. Hot or not? And more. Good morning to you, young man. How are you going, Jackie boy? Good morning, David. Now, let's set the record straight. I'm sitting down here at the SEN Studios uh, in yes. South Melbourne or South Bank. Uh, <laughs> you are currently, where are you? The top of Mount Buller in the Victorian high country, David. Is that where you are right now? <laughs> I'm certainly not uh, talking in that essence with a range. Up there with the Melbourne supporters, that. David, are you? Up there and. <laughs> In the high country, going up to your chalet. Is that correct? You're coming to us live from your chalet on Mount Buller. Uh, look, I actually am up here, and it's a real joy. It's been terrific. Um, skiing for the first, well, I think I went skiing when I was 17 or 18, but it was never went on a lift or anything. So there's certainly been a, a bit of a query in terms of um, talent levels. Query, mate. I've, also, some... I've seen a few videos of you. And dead set, okay. it is like a giraffe, CBA, you, mate. a giraffe on an ice skating rink. <laughs> your well, ski, you're like... the mighty V. You're the mighty ducks. You've, you've formed up the mighty V. That's the V. You go going down the mountain just no, to protect yourself, no saving your life. Give the tip. So run us through. What you're a, you've been skiing for what a week now? Is that correct? Yeah, we got here on Sunday. Um, skied from Monday. Um, I've got to say, my back is absolutely cooked. Um, but we're back out there today. There's, the weather's beautiful today too. There's been a nice dump this evening. I've got some good help because my partner, Sarah, is a very good skier and um, Sarah's mum, Fran's a better skier. She's superb. So they've given me some tips. Let me just get that video to you this afternoon. Right, I'm looking and forward maybe to that. We'll put it on our socials. Comparison. Yeah, we'll, we'll, um, we'll put them on the socials. Maybe I've come on a little bit. I haven't stacked the last couple of days. I stacked about 10 times the first four times I went out there. And, Good uh, fun. Uh, when, were you, when was the last time you went skiing, by no, the way? Mount, I mean, Cook, Mount Cook. You I went wouldn't be able to ski. Snow, I can snowboard like your life depends on it, David, over at Mount Cook. <laughs> Mount Cook. So two quick ones. Um, any snowboarding yep. action? No, and I don't think we'll do it. Gee, snowboarding looks hard. My yeah. brother did it for years. Any yellow snow good. cones as well, or is just that off the agenda as well? <laughs> <laughs> 
the agenda. Mate, just just keep the lines open. That's all I'm going to say. All right, all right. That's all, all right. I'm, I'm very, look, very much looking forward to uh, seeing you in the Lorna Jane tights heading down Mount Buller this afternoon when you send me through your your finished product uh, of a week of skiing there in the high country. But, Flashman, you mentioned it off the top, big week. Yes. Big week in Huge. Footy. Big week in footy, big week in Tasmania. Um, and there's the, the the talking point has been, obviously, the AFL again. And when we harp on yes. it every week. Uh, we talk about uh, Jeremy Rockcliffe, obviously the, the new premier of Tasmania, and his relationship with, uh, with the AFL. What have you made of it? Yeah. It's really, really difficult to, you know, sift through the... Um, the bulldust, as my father used to mm, say, it, mm. I, I don't. I, it's hard to get a read because you're very conflicted in what you do. So if I turn to Channel Seven, I've got Tom Brown and I've got his old man, okay, and, and they're going back to back, for example. Um, and then uh, I, I actually don't know. You continue to tell me three times a week, hashtag nothing to see, nothing to see at all. Is it just a real case now of a, a money situation where both parties, the AFL and the Tasmania, are really just throwing barbs? They're both trying to get the figure. We are. I've got a little audio package. I'll get you to listen to this one and get your thoughts off the back of that. This is uh, Jeremy Rockcliffe, Jeff Brown, Alistair Nicholson and Lee Matthews talking about all things Tasmania in the bid over the week. Strongest possible terms. We will not be dictated to by uh, the AFL. Or stadium was not part of the bid. Very clear understanding of the club presidents that a stadium would be would be part of this deal and delivered as part of this deal. I wouldn't like to see any of those current investments being prejudiced by uh, another drain on AFL finances. Yet we are still still to hear positivity about this Tasmanian team from the AFL. It has to happen. It's the right thing to do. It should have happened a long time ago. We need to correct the wrong now. And this is a huge part of Gillan McLaughlin's legacy now. He does not want to be on the wrong side of history here and the abandonment of Tasmania would be an absolute national sporting disgrace. I hope Tasmania get a team, but I'm getting, I find I'm a little bit annoyed and I feel like saying, can you cut the crap? I mean, it would make a difference to Tasmania. I don't think it's going to make the difference to the rest of Australia. And even Brendan Gus said, oh, if we don't have it, we'll be on the wrong side of history. I mean, seriously, I mean, there's some people who are really keen on Tasmania getting the team. That's fine. But, hey, it's not the be-all and end-all of what's happening in the footy world, I wouldn't have thought. There we go. There's some interesting comments, Flashman, over that little period there. So let's let's debunk the first one. So it's Rockcliffe versus the Presidents and the AFL at the moment. and. Jeremy Rockcliffe comes out and says uh, it wasn't a part of the, the deal uh, and the presidents are coming out and the AFL are coming out saying it's the uh, nearly the be-all and end-all of Tasmania yes. getting a deal. So somebody's somebody's telling a fib here. Where, where does that sit with you? Well, firstly, what's Lee Matthews talking about? Nah, we'll, we'll get um, to Lee at the end. We'll get to the Lee at the end. I want to talk about the, the sure. Rockcliffe v, v yeah. the presidents. What what are your it's thoughts? Because at the moment. it is is it's uh, just so yeah. the, the the Tassie government. So we know that the government's already said they're going to stump up 150 mil for the team. Yes, and they're going to stump up half of the stadium. So let's say the stadium costs 750 million. That's the number that's been floated out there. A lot of the time, these projects blow out. I know the stadium over in Perth uh, there, which was funded completely by the government, was 1.2 billion. Um, but yes. that was a, a, a much bigger stadium uh, than what's been proposed down there at Macquarie Point. So we need to find 300 mil. Um, surely there's some federal government 
Um, the AFL can tip in a little Surely. bit. And, and the comment from Jeff Brown that it's going to be a drain on the resources of of, of the AFL, this is adding to the AFL. You're getting a $150 million yep. kick in straight away from the government. Like, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Absolute no-brainer. And that that's the concern, the, the whole conversation around the stadiums. And now the, it really much saying the AFL every day, you build this stadium now and you pay for it yourself. And I think there's parameters that we've never seen. I'd love to hear what everyone's got to say about this, Jack. Send us a text, 0437 552 Give us a call, one three hundred forty two fifteen thirty three because this is now dominating the conversation. Who's paying for the stadium? If we don't have it, it ain't happening. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on uh, Lee Matthews? Lee Matthews has come out and said... Cut the crap. Lee. Cut the crap. Um, it, it's not the be-all and end-all if Tasmania doesn't get a team. Um, and it won't it won't affect a lot of people if they don't get a team. But in the same interview, he spoke about the essence of the game and not being able to sleep because Jack Ginevan <laughs> couldn't get a, didn't get a free kick and he was <laughs> up all night thinking about that because it's the, the fabric of the f- footballing game. Is, this, is the, this is the thing that I constantly beat my head up against the wall about is that Tasmania is the fabric of the game. They are, are an interwoven part oh of what God. is the AFL blanket. They are the they are a, an original thread of why this game is so great. So it, it is. It's tearing at the fabric if Tasmania's, this push doesn't get up. That, that's, that's solely it. There's so, you've got to look through the, look through the team, AFL team of the century. Royce Hart, Ian Stewart. Daryl Baldock, like the influence of Absolutely. Tasmania on the AFL and the game that Lee Matthews has become arguably the greatest player at is, is there to see. And it's taken a while now to get a, a legitimate push up. Now this push is here just to say cut the crap. It just doesn't, it doesn't cut the mustard for me. Well, and this week I've heard um, Lloydy, I've heard Eddie again, say the same thing about, you know, that... It's important for Tasmania, but it's important for the rest of us. Well, what are you talking about? This is the whole conversation, and this is what these clowns in Melbourne don't get. Do you? This is the question we, we've we've said this a thousand times. Ask yourself this: Do you want Tasmania as a future for the next hundred years, significant part of our great game as it has been in the history? Or do you not, and at the very best, have a completely diminished view of it because we're not going to provide our kids and our grandkids the opportunity, boys and girls, to play for Tasmania? Give me a spell. I I don't know what's wrong with them. It's a lack of empathy for a start, but it's a lack of understanding of the fabric and what we are, what we stand for, and what we want to be doing in the future. It's incredible. So the, just, oh, yeah, the, the stumbling block is the stadium. So we know that the the, the, yep. the big picture on the back of the Mercury maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago, was the, was that really brand spanking new stadium down at Macquarie Point, which I noticed that the local councils popped their head up and said that they haven't had anything to do with it yet or had a say with that, which is um, considered council land. But a few I'm texts good. coming in, Flashman. So we've got a, off the text line, the AFL don't want a Tassie side. They've already shown their... True Colours, that one's come in from Mick from Woodville. Um, this one is directed at Flash. David, is Tom Brown coming in uh, on you after the questions you sent him on Twitter during the week? You're also very, very vocal towards Tom Brown, who has been arguably the biggest peddler of anti-Tasmanian team out there. Uh, all these 
questions we're very much looking forward to chatting to Colin Carter with later on in the show. As always, send us a text on 0437 552535. Shoot us a tweet uh, at, at SEN We're looking forward to hearing what the Tasmanian public have to say as we continue to count down right down to August when we will find out when that Tasmanian team push or where it sits, that Tasmanian team push. But as I mentioned, Colin Carter today, and he'll be able to debunk a few myths for us. This is Jack and Flash right here on SEN Tassie. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On SEN Tassie, Jack and Flash. With Jack Revolt and David Lifter. Welcome back to the Jack and Flash show here, right here on SEN Tassie. Of course, SEN track across the northern part of the state and the SEN uh, app. For anyone around the world that wants to listen to me and the Flashman, uh, this is a sports update. Thanks to Host Plus, an industry super fund for all Australians. Big week down at Tigerland, Flashman. I know you've been very interested about what's been happening in the yellow and black. So I'm allowing you a small period of time to Ooh. ask whatever you would like about the Tigers. So far away. Well, you know how much I love Titch. And well, don't call him Titch. I'll- Shedder. 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 That's the first myth we can debunk uh, in what yeah, is today's... T- why is that, by the way? I'd love to know. Well, I think Robert Walsh called him Titch after another um, a player, maybe Robert might have played with back in the uh, early days, who was uh, a very skinny young player as well uh, when Shane Lewis came through. Titch. He said Titch. Anyway. No, but I think Shane doesn't like Titch, so <laughs> Shedder. <laughs> this is the, we're, we're doing Mythbusters Tasmania <laughs> good, today. Good. Where we're, we're testing things, we're busting myths, and we're looking forward to having Colin well. Carter on the show later on, but... The first myth we can bust is Shane does not well, like being called Titch. So Shedder, well, Shedder's well, 300th this week. What I remember about Shedder is um, at your wedding firstly when he was at the front row of the mosh pit for <laughs> um, the, all of my set. But apart from that, uh, what does he mean to you? He's 300th this week. He is an absolute legend on and off the field, isn't he? Yeah, no, look, he's, he's certainly an on-field icon um, and uh, been a, a very good player for a long time, a very underrated player. And yes. it's, you nearly get sick of saying, oh, Shane Edwards is underrated, but he is genuinely underrated. I'm, I'm extremely proud of um, what he's done for, for our football club. The one thing that he's shown up when we've needed him, Flashman, that's that's the big thing. So yes. AFL Grand Finals, I think he got two, uh, two Norm Smith votes in 2017, had 25 touches, seven clearances. Four, uh, four votes in 2020 uh, yep. um, and had 25 and, and was instrumental in helping helping us get back in the game along with Dustin um, when we beat Geelong. And 2019, he had some really big moments. A, a huge moment. We had a massive body clash with uh, Jacob Hopper, yes. I think it was. And that's the thing that like, a lot of people see the, uh, now see the nice things with Shane, the, the good handball, really silky. He's genuinely tough, like and tough, and throws what what is a not a large frame. Um, it's still sort of maybe maybe 75, 80 kilos. Not a, not a big frame in AFL stands, but he will throw his body round and collide with players uh, and and hit them flush too. Like good solid bumps. So um, we we look forward to Sunday for him. Obviously, it's a big game for the football club. Only the fifth player in the history of Richmond's. Um, Richmond's 13 premierships and arguably 1,200, uh, 1200 players to have played the game. He will become only the fifth player to play 300 games, which is very exciting. I remember uh, a few years ago, and you and I were talking, and um, 
a, a young bloke called Kane Lambert was just rookied out mm. of Williamstown, and I reckon I was the first person on the phone to you because I was a cheerleader, having called him um, a few times and watched him previously in his role at the Northern Blues, etc. and couldn't believe he couldn't get a gig. Well, I don't think any of us would have saw the career that Kane had with your mob, and he retired this week. Um, tell us about him. Uh, well, I think he's been... <sighs> He's, th- those two, uh, Kane Lambert, we'll speak about Kane solely first, um, unbelievable human being, um, has got everything out of him. So he's got to a point now, unfortunately, where he's got a debilitating hip injury where um, I'm not sure if you saw the, the footage of him during the week, but he spoke about in his retirement speech the fact that he's got the hip of a 65-year-old. So, so I think as soon as possibly the season's done, he's still fulfilling a role for us. He's actually um, moved into that mindfulness space that, um, I know Emma Murray's had such a big influence on it at our football club, but uh, uh, sorry, um, Kane's fit, fitting into that role nicely now. Um, he'll have to have like a full hip replacement, so he'll be in. I know now these they can do like 3D imaging and, and get the exact version of his hip and recreate it for him so that he can get some, some quality of life back, not being able to tie his shoes and, and do simple things like that. But somehow this year, he still managed to play a handful of games and just grind it through, which. I think is just the ultimate toughness and, and gave himself every opportunity to get back this year. And, and of course, a lot of players held out hope because they know how important he is. And so important to, to Shane Edwards and the way Shane Edwards plays the game as well. I actually got sent a stat during the week, Flashman, that um, handball, metres gained by handballing through 2017 to, to, to 2020. Shane Edwards is top of the pops, 4,492 4, metres gained by handball. Then Mitch Duncan... Is next at 2,800, so 2,000, uh, so 1,600 metres difference in handball. And then Kane Lambert, who had an injury, injury riddled time through that, he sits seventh at 2,387 metres game by handball. So the the way those two work together uh, and played the game together, it's it's and I know Shane's been under the pump a little bit at the start of this year with his form. It's actually no. Um, no, uh, I mean, reason why they're not going uh, going so well there. That the fact that Shane had a poor start to the season because Kane wasn't playing. So it is a big week for for the Tigers this this week, Flash. Though because um, we know that we do have the three hundredth of Shane Edwards, and of course you always like to send the retirees out. But um, it's been a bit of Richmond killing Richmond, and um, a bit of the old Richmondy, unfortunately for for us. We've we've had um, the Gold Coast game, which we clearly should have won. Um, then we had the North Melbourne, and of course the draw against uh, against the Dockers last Friday night. We need to rectify it this week, uh, which is a which is a big one for us. How's this happened? These close losses. This has been it's because it's been everything that your club hasn't done the last five or six years. You've always won those games. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit it's a, well, I suppose it's a learning curve that um, when you focus on different things, and unfortunately, you take the spotlight away from certain parts of your game. And, and for us, it's just getting back to the fundamentals of our DNA of defence. So uh, it's been really disappointing, and, and we would like to have not learnt any of these lessons over the last three weeks because we would like to have been on top of them and, and be 10 points clearer than where we are and where we sit at the moment outside of the eight in, in 10th position. But... That is the story of life and the story of AFL football is that sometimes it takes uh, a, a little clip or it takes a period of, 
of, of heartache to move through and become a better side. So we look at uh, probably the two Noahs last week in the uh, and what they've faced at the end of the game. Clearly Noah Cumberland took a mark with uh, well, possibly not even a second left and, and, and could have had a shot from 55 to, to score and win the game for us. And Noah Bolter... Um, unfortunately takes 31 seconds and gets chased down when, when having a shot late. But you, you, you learn from these little things. You move on. Um, whilst they still hurt, they are a heartache. You've got to take them as learning lessons. So uh, it all happens this week. Brisbane at the MCG. Oh, Brisbane at the MCG. Game. Big game, big game. They've been under the pump a little bit too. Um, and they haven't played at the G for a long time. They haven't won at the G for a long time as well. So uh, certainly a big game for both clubs. Huge game. Tom Lynch back? Yep, Tom Lynch will be back this week. So awesome. he's fit and firing. Um, I think he'll probably be maybe the only person that comes back in. Fortunately, uh, we're still waiting on Dustin to see where he's at. Just a little few niggles with his hammy, but he seems to be back on track and, and moving well, which is exciting for the Tigers fans out there. And As I mentioned, uh, we're looking to a big crowd on on Sunday at the MCG, not only for obviously what is an important game for football club to, to, to get a win and, and hopefully get back into that top eight and get into finals contention, but to um, to cheer on Shane Edwards in his 300th game and, and give Kane Lambert the send-off that he deserves. Tell me about Dimmers League, please. They have gone bananas at G. Sorry, Flashman, go with that I missed it. Tell me about Dimmers League this week. He's... <laughs> I would love to be in there. Well, it, it, you know what happened? Poor old young Ryan Mansfield, Mansell, sorry, the young Tassie boy Ryan Mansell. He got whacked? He got whacked. He, I don't know he got whacked. He sort of got bumped in the back and just happened to be in front of the coach. And, and look, this is this is what people that care about people do. They stuck up, they stuck up for him. And um, I think Jared Waitley made the point at AFL 360 that this just isn't, it isn't at local footy where it can boil over and um, next thing you know, you've got parents yelling at each other. This is, this is a professional level of, uh, of football where... Um, players and coaches stick stick up for each other. That that's that yep, sort of separates it. it from from the uh, angry parents sort of syndrome, which can happen uh, at local football and at, and at junior football. So, no, look, I think um, I think Damien will always go in, and Dim will always go in to to back up his boys, and and that's one thing that we are very appreciative of. Very exciting. Um, it's a very, very exciting time for all athletes at the moment. There's that. Um, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of nerves, but just before the competition starts, everyone's sort of ready and relaxed. Um, but I think just thinking back what it means for me, I mean, um, it's hard to put yourself above the team and to be the one standing at the front. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but um, it's really exciting. I think just the history of the Commonwealth Games um, and, and what's come before us, it's, it's really special. That, of course, there is Tasmania's own flag bearer for the Commonwealth Games, Eddie Ockenden. And it's time for a Commonwealth Games update, thanks to Australia made by Australia Green and Gold. Look for the kangaroo logo. Eddie, of course, chatting there to Gary and Tim. Uh, so Eddie has been chosen to, uh, well, Kookaburra, uh, Eddie Ockenden has been chosen to carry the flag in Birmingham, which is currently uh, in the phase of opening ceremony mould. That's been happening for about an hour or so, and uh, that's when Eddie walked out, leading the Green and Gold Army, along with the squash veteran, Rachel Grinham. Ockenden obviously spoke there to Gary and Tim, and, and it spoke about that honour, which, I mean, we just absolutely love what Eddie Ockenden does for Tasmania and, and what he has done for Tasmania. I'm watching the ceremony on the TVs in here at SEN headquarters at the moment. Duran Duran 
are rocking it out. Hungry like the wolf they are over there in Birmingham. <laughs> Off the text quickly. I can't believe so many Manlanders don't get why this is important to Tasmania. That comes from George. And uh, I think George's sentiments there are echoed by a lot of people, including myself and Flash. Uh, Flashman, at the moment, we are very, very excited. So support the team. Look for green and gold kangaroo logos of these Commonwealth Games, Australia made by green and gold. Look for the kangaroo logo. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On SEN Tassie, Jack and Flash. With Jack Revolt and David Lifter. Welcome back to Jack and Flash right here on SEN Tassie. Uh, well, 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 it's a winter edition. This is uh, heading to the slopes. David's up there. Mount Buller, but Flashman, the text line is still open for you. So you've had a few come through. What's uh, what's been hitting the lines there up there at Mount Buller? I have, I have. Um, Mick from Woodville's pun. He's not a such a supporter here of the Tassie government. Based on this, need the Tassie government to say enough is enough, and they find the cash themselves. They can't let the AFL fund this. Okay, so that's interesting. And the reverse of this is from Xavier from Sandy Bay. Maguire and his henchmen need to take a back seat. A Billion dollars entry free is absolutely ridiculous. And the second part of this, Mason, Red, Mason Redmond's tackle was legal. Hashtag stop the drop. <laughs> stop the drop hashtag. All right. Well, well, the next man uh, who terrific. is coming on the show has been involved in all things Tasmanian sport. And there has been a text sit in for him very early on. And that, of course, is the CEO, the current cricket Tasmania CEO, Dom Baker, friend of the show. Dom, welcome back. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very good, very good. Now, first one off the SEN text line is, ask Dom, would he like to be the first CEO of a, the Tassie AFL team? How do you feel about that, Dom? <laughs> We've got to get one first, Jack. Yes, um, we do, we do. But let's say... so close, but so far away. Let's say, come on. Oh, look, a good role, surely. Well, it would be a great role, mate, but I'm really happy where I am at the moment, mate. We're well set up. I'm looking forward to filling the sugar bag uh, up with BBL, WBBL, Sheffield Shield and WNCL trophies first. Maybe that might be my first priority. Well, let's start there with the Hurricanes. Uh, You've settled on the coaching lineup for the Hurricanes and Jeff Vaughan is going to coach both the Hurricanes and the Tigers uh, with the help of, uh, obviously, Chuck Berry uh, and a few others. Happy, James, ha- Hopes, James sorry, uh, the catfish, James Hopes. Ha- happy with uh, with um, how that lineup's finished up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, look, it was quite early. Ricky was very keen on Vaughny. Um, obviously, we cast the net out, and, and there was plenty of speculation about Langer, who um, you know Ricky had plenty of conversations with, but the organisation didn't have uh, any conversations with Justin. Um, and there was a few other names in the pot, but. I think um, there's a thing about, particularly for us, about getting some continuity between the two programs. We've got a lot of um, lads that are on both lists. And um, with Jeff now taking on five years with the Tigers, to have him take on the first this first three-year block with the Hurricanes, I think, um, gives us some continuity and allows us to manage um, our list in both purple and, and state colours. So uh, the other thing is we, we've... Really, we've got a coaching panel. Um, this is this is the first time we've kind of gone with a head coach and really strong assistants. Um, Chuck Berry is will be well known to a lot of um, cricket fans. 
great knowledge about the game, uh, fantastic um, tactician when it comes to in 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 game tactics. Um, BBL Pakistan Super League. He's over at the um, the hundred at the moment in England with uh, the London Spirit. Um, so great experience, and hopes he's exactly the same. And hopes he's kind of one of those young men that I believe will be a fantastic senior coach in a few years. He's um, brings the same kind of experience and he's um, really a, a, the right hand man for Ricky in India so um, having James on board as well has uh, certainly, I, I've been super impressed with James so earning that with Jeff and Jeff really is our man manager he's a fantastic um, people manager and uh, he, he'll really keep the dressing room in order uh, Dom, good morning. Uh, firstly, congratulations on the appointment of the coaching team. Uh, last week with Brett Jeeves, we talked about it, and it does feel like a really good mix. On the back of that, tell us about Ricky Ponting's influence on the group and, and your discussions and what's led to uh, these decisions made in the last week or so. Yeah, look, it's, it's funny because the, uh, the first text message I got when, I, when it became public that I had the job at Cricket Tasmania was from Ricky. Um, I reckon he's probably ruining that now because <laughs> I did, I've done nothing but pestering for two and a half years to be involved some some way, shape or form in our uh, in some of our programs. And so after, over about um, three or four lunches and a couple of years, we, we came up with uh, this plan for the Hurricanes. Um, and look, his, his influence has, has been superb. Last Thursday night, when we got all the coaches together, I was lucky enough to just push myself up into the corner and listen to um, Ricky run a session with them on what, what our game style was going to be, um, uh, what players he thought um, we could chase, what our list evaluation was like. And it was just watching the master at work, really. Um, fantastic uh, knowledge of players. I mean, he gets the stats out on the table before the analyst can punch them out of the computer. He, he knows T20 cricket and T20 20 cricketers backwards uh, and you know he's also Ricky Ponting you know so um, it's been great for our organisation to have him back on staff you know he wanders through the office when he's down says hello to everybody and everybody's got a bit of a spring in their step to have him back and so look that you can't underestimate that just his presence is huge but also he's got a very clear picture of what he thinks can win T20 cricket and um, he's, he's really happy with our core list um, he thinks he can add to that with uh, players that um, that can play specific roles for us, and uh, and he's really marshalling that group of coaches really, really well. They they absolutely respect him, and he's giving them also the the ability to collaborate really strongly. So it's um, yeah, look, he, he's just been fantastic to be able to get him for three years as well as a you know probably a real real key for our organisation. And let's face it, a key for the BBL competition, I reckon. Uh... Was uh, Tim Payne uh, a c- consideration at all for, for the coaching panel? Did his name come up uh, on your desk, Dom, or, or, or Ricky's desk in terms of the role he could possibly fill at the Hurricanes? No, well, Tim, um, as most people would know, I'm pretty close with Tim and so is Ricky, actually. So he's probably just not quite at the spot um, at the moment to be committing um, to a full-on role inside a program. Um Oh, I think that time will come, and and he has absolutely been someone that we've been talking to about different bits and pieces along the way because we want to keep him in the loop. And and I think if you're a fan of Tim Payne and a fan of the Hurricanes, you'll see Tim Payne um, in and around our our uh, team throughout the year, particularly at home. So, look, it's it's a it's a journey for Tim, and uh, and 
you know, he's he's got a bit to go before we really start to, or before he really starts to work out what it is that comes next for him. So, um, but we're we're determined that uh, if he's going to go into cricket, um, it'll be in Tasmania. What about the BBL draft, Dom? Um, you didn't quite get the the balls fall in in the right spot as you would have liked. Um, what's the major considerations as far as the list build for for the side this year? Yeah, we got dotted there, didn't we? We uh, finished fifth uh, in a traditional draft. We'd uh, we'd get fifth pick, but they had a lottery for the first three, and then a lottery for the bottom, for the next five. So the five that played in the finals went into the lottery. Um, we had we had five tickets, so to speak, in the raffle as compared to one ticket for say a uh, um, Scorchers who finished on top. And lo and behold, we end up with the last pick. So I'm not I, I'm I'm still waiting for the scrutineers to get back to me on that one, but. Um, but look, I, I don't think having eighth pick is actually going to be a disadvantage. This is the first time the competition's gone into a draft, so there'll be some nervousness from some franchises on how to handle that. Um, I've pulled a little bit of a swifty without saying too much. Um, we will have a draft consultant with us, um, a prominent draft reptile who's been around uh, the AFL system for a very, very long time and understands how to, to get yourself prepared for a draft. So we will be very well prepared. Um, and I think um, I think eighth spot won't be that bad, given that a lot of the picks in front of us will be retention picks, so players that are already uh, or, or have already been on lists um, for franchises in the past. So, look, without going into too much detail about what we want, um, you know, Ricky's got a definite style, and there will be probably ten or fifteen players in. You know, if we take three players in the draft, there'll be ten or fifteen options for us. Um, in each area, um, you know, traditionally we've taken international spin. Um, there's probably an option for us to do that again. Um, traditionally, we've taken, um, well, traditionally we've made some of the best batsmen in the world look pretty poor. So hopefully we pull, <laughs> it's pull a batter this time and we get one that can fire. But um, yeah, look, he's keeping <laughs> he's keeping his cards very close to his chest on the draft, Ricky. Um, Going into our first one, we're probably not wanting to advertise too much about what we're about, but let, let's just say uh, we will be very, very planned on draft day and we've got a very, very definite plan and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we can uh, pull that off and uh, should be very exciting for the fans once, uh, once we put our full list together. The competition, Dom, like, how do you feel about uh, the fact that um, players like Dave Warner um, are looking to go outside of Australia to, to play. Um, they, they they should be the headline act, surely, um, here, here in Australia in its own form in the BBL. Yeah, well, I think one of the Achilles heels for the BBL has been it hasn't got uh, a clear air spot in the cricket calendar. So if you look at the success of the IPL, there's no, India don't schedule any cricket in and around it. So um, it allows them to get the very best of their own players on the park. Um, similarly, uh, for the BBL, the issue has been not having those players available. Um, there, with with the unfortunate cancellation of the South African White Ball series um, at the end of the Test series, it has meant that that a lot of our um, ODI players will now have a much more prominent role. So your Maxwells, um, Stoinesses, um, Wades, those players, we're going to see a lot more of them post. Um, what will be an exciting T20 World Cup, then they'll roll straight into BBL. So we're going to get them for longer. But, you know, similarly, I would say 
for the competition to go to the next level, um, at some point we've got to consider how do we get Warner, Smith, Stark, Hazelwood, um, Boland, players like that playing in it more frequently. Uh, it's definitely something that uh, Cricket Australia are looking at and something that we should be uh, prioritising. Uh, an amazing summer for cricket in Tasmania, Dom, with the, with the Ashes, of course, played, and we had the, the wonderful Test match, etc. This season in national cricket, it's not really going to be there. What, what's your thoughts on that, and how's that going to affect things going forward over the summer? Uh, look, we've got a pretty jam-packed schedule. With um, We've got nine games of the T20 World Cup uh, in Hobart prior to the start of um, you know, the traditional international season. Now, they're not, they're not what you'd call marquee games. We're not going to, we haven't got Australia, England, Australia, India, um, India, Pakistan, but there'll be some good cricket played in, in those nine games leading in. We've got our first female international being played uh, in Tasmania for six years, which, which is, is a kind of replacement for the South African cancellation. I would argue that we deserve to have that game rather than it being a replacement. I mean, we are the current um, WNCL champions. Um, so uh, the fact that we haven't had female international cricket in the state for six years is probably a reflection of um, poor scheduling from Cricket Australia rather than, um, than us, uh, you know, rather than it being a, a replacement. We're sitting down with Cricket Australia um, very soon, actually, probably October is the date that we're looking at, to just work through the new futures program. So the cricket blocks come out, the schedules come out in three-year blocks. Um, we'll be sitting down and working with them to make sure that Tasmania gets its share. I think what, what we demonstrated through the test matches that we are capable. Um, that, that test match was put together in 24 days. It was as cost-effective as any around the country. Um, in fact, it was... Um, better than some. Uh, the crowd showed up. Uh, so there's no reason anymore that if we get the right window, um, and I think that right window was post-Christmas in Tasmania, and I think the right time for a test match in Tasmania is day night. I mean, that certainly worked sensationally. The feedback was excellent. There's no reason why, why Cricket Australia uh, shouldn't be, um, shouldn't be putting more cricket into Tasmania. And I think, you know, I, I heard just the tail end of um, someone's text uh, around um, Stadia and that type of thing. If we want to have an AFL team in Tasmania and we want to have, and, and if we need a stadium for that to be done, uh, which which I think we do, just by the way, I'm, I'm not 100% in agreement with the way the AFL are managing that, but at the end of the day, I think a stadium in Hobart is the right thing to do for, for the capital city in the as it is. But that, that stadium is going to need cricket. You, you can't just play football in, a, in the winter and just let it sitting there in the summer. It's going to need BBL cricket. It's going to need international cricket in it to ensure that it gets uh, use right across, um, right across the year. And, and Cricket Australia have got to come to the party and sit down with um, uh, Cricket Tasmania and the state government to, to work out a plan for how, how that may look. Well, Dom, as always, we really do appreciate you joining us here on SEN. Uh, you've had a lot to do with Tasmania Sport and currently uh, enjoying the time as Cricket Tasmania CEO is what is a very fruitful period and coming up for, for Tasmanian cricket. So we really do appreciate it. And they are looking for you off the text. They're very much looking forward to seeing you up there at the Latrobe Cricket Club. I want you to know they've got a spot ready for you at the bar there to watch uh, the WBBL games this year. Thanks for joining us. There we are, Don Baker, the Cricket Tasmanian CEO, talking all things cricket.
Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On SEN Tassie, Jack and Flash. With Jack Revolt and David Lithgow. Welcome back to Jack and Flash right here on SEN Tassie. And of course, we just had the CEO of Cricket Tasmania, Dom Baker on Flashman. What did you make of, uh, of Dom's take on things? Just one little snippet is when he mentioned about, well, cricket's got to be a big part of it. So he's the CEO of Cricket Tasmania, sitting at Belrive Oval saying, well, that's where the cricket's got to go as well. That's a significant thing. I think we've all thought that would be the case, but that was interesting to hear that from the CEO himself. Fascinating. Are you, t- are you suggesting the Cricket Australia could tip in a little bit of mauler for well, the stadium? just come on. Just get around Tassie. Let's just make this work rather than looking at why it wouldn't work. Let's find a way. I mean, cricket would be awesome it would, in the city it? as well. It Let's would, be fair. It would be awesome. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On SEN Tassie, Jack and Flash. With Jack Revolt and David Lithgow. Welcome back to another massive hour of the Jack and Flash show right here on SEN Tasmania. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate experts. We are live on 1629 SEN Tassie. 1611 in the SEN track, Northern Tassie, and right around the country on the SEN app. Well, Flashman, I have been teasing this all morning, and it is time to bust some myths with a man who has been putting, we put a lot of hard work and effort into putting uh, together a report on the state of Tasmanian football and the viability of an AFL team in the Apple Isle. That, of course, is Colin Carter, and he joins us on the line. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Good to be with you. We really do appreciate you joining us. Obviously, a busy time and coming up to a busy time for, for the push for Tasmanian football. There's, there's a little bit of a uh, well a conception at the moment that the bid is in genuine trouble. Um, what, what can you see? Is, this, is, it, is it real uh, or, or is this just an argy-bargy in the typical politics of, of two, two companies and parties coming together to, to make a deal on, a, on what is a, a, a significant investment in, in Australian football and also significant investment in, in Tasmania as well? Well, I honestly don't know. Um, I'm not part of the process at the moment. In fact, I just got back a day or so ago from six weeks in the States. But, Lovely. Um, I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic because uh, the people in Tasmania want it. Um, I believe the AFL is really favourably disposed to it. And importantly, all of the polls of footy supporters around Australia show a very strong majority in favour of a team there. So I think it's going to be hard for the people who want to kill it. But that's not to say that there aren't some big issues. And uh, obviously the the stadium debate that's going on at the moment, I I don't know, as you say, whether that's just argy-bargy or whether it's a uh, a seriously uh, sort of terminal factor in it. But uh, hopefully it's not. Colin, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I mean, and that is the, the talking point, is the stadium situation. Um, what were your findings as to whether a new stadium was required, whether that was instantly or in time uh, as, the, as the team evolves and it becomes a process a little bit down the track? What, what was your thoughts on that? Well, my personal views at the time were that it wasn't immediately necessary. Um, I didn't... Uh, dip into that because um, um, I had strong views about the sort of stadium that was required and my views generally run in the direction of 
it should be smaller than most people want. I mean, I think this Australians have always wanted big stadiums. Um, uh, if you look at the Premier League stadiums, just the Premier League alone in England, I think probably more than half of them even in England are less than 30,000 capacity and some of them are less than 20,000 capacity. It seems to me that the prospects for a Tasmanian football team are enhanced if the uh, stadium is not too big. If, if I take Geelong as an example, uh, one of the things that under, underscores Geelong's reasonably capable position is the, the supply-demand situation of the stadium. If you're a Geelong supporter, at the start of the year you buy a membership and a reserved seat. Um, you don't have the luxury of sort of sitting at home and looking at the weather on at the weekend say, will I, will I not go to the footy? You, you've got to um, make that decision in advance. And that's the same with the Eagles and the Crows over there in uh, Perth and Adelaide. And so I think it's important, particularly in the early years when the team may struggle, not to have a stadium that's too big. So, so just to be clear, because it's still, it's still uh, the waters are murky around this and it's the one thing that's been thrown around. In the Carter Report, it is not, it's not clear that you have to have a new stadium. It is not a deal breaker, is it? it there's stadia there already, uh, and, and you found that that's significant. Uh, that's significant for kicking off a team. It may not be the thing going forward, but it's still significant that it doesn't need to be a brand new stadium day dot. That was my position at the time. Yes. Uh, interesting that you talk about Geelong as a, as an example, and I think that's probably the, the best correlation in terms of what a Tasmanian team looks like. Um, and and you've been involved in Geelong for a little bit. Is that is that the model that you looked at probably more than anything else in terms of uh, a rural a rural I'll say a regional town uh, with a decent population, but a real parochialism towards their own and their ability to as you say sell out uh, crowds and, and that supply and demand. Are they the, are they the model that you've looked at the most? Yeah, and I think that's the most relevant. And it's complicated further in the Tasmanian case by the fact that you've got two stadiums. And and that's not... Um, I understand the reason for playing the splitting games between Hobart and Launceston, but let's not fool ourselves that there isn't a pretty significant financial penalty attached to that. Uh, Tolong was, for example, trying to operate out of two stadiums that would be a, a, a tougher journey to mm-hmm. climb. Mm-hmm. Colin, plenty of the mainland folks we keep listening to, they just don't seem to understand how important it is to the life or death of Aussie rules in Tasmania. What did you find as how this will impact the code as a whole down here? And if it does or doesn't happen, what, what was your outline take from that? Um, I'm not a... Uh, that would have taken a, a fair bit of separate analysis and sort of a, a deep dip into the sociology of and the psychology of Tasmanians. But I think it's pretty obvious that if people feel disenfranchised and don't have their team, over time, uh, the interest diminishes. And uh, I know also, and I thought Peter Gutwin was a really good case example of, uh, of the situation. He he was clearly burning about the fact that in so many industries, young Tasmanians with talent had to go to the... Um, elsewhere in Australia to get their opportunities. And he, I was surprised to find when I started that work that he had left Tasmania as a young bloke and went to Perth to play with Swan Districts in the Waffle, um, obviously because that created the opportunities. And so I think he was committed to the idea that Tasmanians should be able to stay at home and participate in in the highest level of footy. And I, I bought that. And I think that the absence of those opportunities doesn't help our code in Tasmania at all. 
interesting that you mentioned Peter Gutwin there. Do, do you think um, do you think the, ta- the the push is in a weaker position now that um, he's not the the premier? And as you mentioned, he's he was really strong about keeping Tasmanians in Tasmania. And second part of that question. From him leaving office as Premier, have the goalposts shifted a little bit from where they were originally? Um, I don't know uh, whether it's weakened because I don't know the new Premier. Um, What I do know when I was down there was that uh, there was clearly support for the Tasmanian team from the various political parties down there. So I'm not in any basis to say whether the... I don't have any basis to say whether the cause is weak and strengthened or, or as much the same. So... Um, no, I don't. Uh, I, 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 and what was the second part of the question? In part sorry. of the, sorry, the goal, the goal post. So, so at the moment, like the stadium is all, it's cropped up at the last moment here. It's also, well, who's going to pay for that? In terms of actually getting aside, um, and it was yep. really positive early on. I was like, yep, all right, they're ticking a lot of boxes. The belief campaign's really strong. Do you think now that it's getting down the road a little bit that the goal posts are shifting a little bit? And, and because the, the feel is that maybe that. A change in government, the AFL have taken this and sort of thought, well, right, yeah, we actually, you know what, we're going to change what we require for, for the Tasmanian government, the Tasmanian people to stump up to get their own team. Now, I have no basis to say where the goalposts have moved. It'd be surprising in the course of a long negotiation if the goalpost hadn't moved, you'd expect them to. Um, whether this particular shift that you talk about, the issue you talk about is a, a shift, I'm not sure. I mean, the it's, it's also, I should say, and I wasn't... Uh, uh, I wasn't sort of talking about this, but let's be clear, the AFL doesn't build stadiums anywhere. Um, so I've always taken that as a given. The, if you take the Geelong Stadium, the Geelong Football Club has put more money into the redevelopment of its stadium than the AFL has. Um, the state governments um, in Western Australia and South Australia have built their stadiums. The state government in Victoria has produced 90 or 95% of the money for the rebuilding of the Geelong Stadium. So I... I, I take it as a given that um, um, government, whether it's state, and it's mostly state in most cases, but it could also be federal, um, provide the funding for stadiums, which are part of community infrastructure. And particularly in case, if you had a, a new stadium in Hobart, um, most of the justification for that would have to come from non-football sources. I mean, we're only talking about six games or seven games a year in Hobart, and so the main justification for a new stadium in, in Hobart would have to be all of the other things that people invent mm. to take place in a stadium like that. But no, stadiums around Australia are built by governments. Uh, Colin, I often hear with uh, with their critics, I guess, uh, the Gold Coast president, the Collingwood president, etc., talking about the economic factors um, going forward. We're, we're potentially going to have a recession, a worldwide recession, if you listen to some people. What were the key economic factors that you found supported the Tasmanian bid and what were the areas the task force and the government needed to address to ensure that this got up? Um, I, well, I looked at the fundamental economics of the of what the state could support and, and the most important thing is there's a very strong correlation between the level of support the market share of support that a football club has and its capacity to generate revenue, whether it's from memberships or sponsorships. And when you look at the size of the Tasmanian population and assume that most of that population can be attracted to supporting a Tasmanian team, that supporter base would put um, a Tasmanian team not at the bottom of the 18, but sort of 
around about the the gap between the the middle third and the bottom third. So it's not going to be the smallest team. So that's enough. And on top of that, the commitment of the Tasmanian government, which we assumed would be about $10 million a year, um, was enough to provide that plus the inherent supporter base of the, the club would, would be enough, providing the club was well managed and not trashed, would be quite adequate to be a competitive force in the AFL. So... Uh, um, I thought all the numbers stacked up and a lot of the other stuff which has been debated like whether there'll be enough players in the competition, I, they're all red herrings. I mean, one of the statistics is that nobody's ever talked about which, which we put in the report is that the average length of a playing career, and Jack, you'd appreciate this, the average playing career for footballers for about nearly 100 years up until 1900 was 60 games a year and now it's 120 games a year, average across the AFL. So essentially the, the size of the playing pool has doubled in the last 20 years. So anybody who wants to talk about um, um, lack of players is actually nonsense. I, I find the comments of some of those other clubs mystifying. I'm a great fan of Tony Cochran and what he's done up there. I got to know him a bit when I was up in the hub um, 18 months ago. But I can't, I can't even begin to fathom... Um, his attack on the proposition of a Tasmanian team on the basis that it can't be afforded. It seems to me that he's saying, we don't want another team like me, like us. And that's a sort of a pretty weird argument to make um, because in arguing that the Tasmanian team will be a drain on the competition, I think he's effectively saying, we don't want another drain like I am, like my club is, and I don't think their club is a drain either. The, I'm here, here for that. <laughs> the, the one thing that Tasmania does have is an amazing history in the fabric of, of AFL football and the great game of, of Aussie rules. How yes. do you, when you do a report like this, do you place more weight in the economics or do you place more weight in the fundamental fabric of Tasmania being a traditional football state and the, all the history that comes with that that you can't go and just buy. You, you cannot buy the history that Tasmania has. You need both of them. Um, the great merit that Tasmania has is that you don't have the long and expensive process of trying to persuade people that ours is a good game. Um, it's very hard to shift market shares in most products and footy is the same. So the fact that Tasmania has that love of Australian rules football is a huge asset but you need the economics as well I mean King Island might have a uh, massively uh, loyal Australian football community but you wouldn't put a team there um, because the size of the market is not big enough to support it and so uh, that's why um, the, the loyalty and love of footy is a bedrock asset that you've got then the question is is that big enough are there enough people who have drunk the Kool-Aid that actually makes the prospect of a team viable? And and I think the answer to that is clearly yes. Colin, can I give you a hypothetical situation, if you don't mind? If you were brought into a meeting with the 18 club presidents to make a case for them to vote either way, what would you say to them, particularly around the stadium situation? Uh, well, I think the case rests on the fact that, the, uh, as I said a moment ago, I think you've got a footy community that, a state that loves footy and a state's big enough to support a team. Um, on the stadium, I, I, I mean, I've got to tread carefully because I'm not part of the negotiations and I don't want to stuff things up. But I would, um, I guess, I would say that um, the vision of a new stadium is a terrific one and we should all work towards it. But um, the reality is that 
we're going to play AFL football in that stadium on perhaps six days a year, and the other 359 days um, require a fair bit of work to to uh, figure out what's going to happen there to generate enough revenue to justify a $700 million stadium. And so until that case is well established, uh, we've got York Park and Hobart, which seem to be quite apparent to Hawth- quite acceptable to Hawthorne and North Melbourne. Um, and so that provides the suitable base case for us to start on. And, and by the way, um, I think a new team, no matter how well it's planned, will struggle for a few years. And if I was running the Tasmanian team, I would prefer to play in a stadium of 14,000 people that was packed all the time rather than a 30,000-seat stadium, which might be half full. The um, impact of that on, on morale is very different. Only got to look at the jack jumper situation at my state bank arena. So 5,000 Tas- crazy Tasmanians packing in there and the environment it creates, it could be uh, 30,000 for, for what you know. But the last one, if this doesn't get up, Colin, do you fear for football in Tasmania? If, the, if this uh, 19th licence and Tasmania team push comes to nothing in the end, uh, is there a, a, a real fear of where football could head in, in Tasmania? Uh, yes, there is. Um, I guess if the cynic in me would say that um, you could probably argue that football's future would be enhanced if we also stuck a team in Cairns or in Alice Springs or Broome. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's life. It just seems to me that's an unnecessary and unfair cost given the fact that on any reasonable count, a Tasmanian team qualifies. I mean, the point I've often made is that uh, we've got teams in Melbourne that are 150 years old that are still supported by the AFL. And I've never been sure why we're prepared to support the 10th team in Melbourne rather than the first team in Tasmania. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense at all. Well, Colin, uh, we could continue talking to you for hours on hours. what is a very passionate subject uh, for, for obviously myself and David, for, for all Tasmanians and people football right people foot, people football people right around the country. We do really do appreciate your time, and uh, we hope you enjoyed your six week holiday away in the states. I did, and uh, I hope the. Uh Tassie team gets gets up. Very much hope so. There we are, Colin Carter, the um, the writer of the or the author, sorry, of the Carter Report, with some very strong views about football in Tasmania. How refreshing <laughs> flash was that? Just to have Colin Carter on, just to dispel some myths about Tasmanian football. Uh, you obviously wouldn't get drawn in too much about the stadium, which is clearly not a part of the thing that he. Uh, well, as he said, it it wasn't uh, one of the prerequisites for. Tasmania being viable for an AFL team. Uh, but a few off the text line, Flashman, you've come uh, come up on your desk. Yeah, I've got a couple here. Correct me if I'm wrong, the politicians who are saying no to the stadium but voice they're all for the community, well, what do they think a new stadium will do for the community? That's from Clinton from North Hobart. Jobs, jobs Flashman, jobs, 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 jobs. Jobs, environment, culture, everything. Um, and Jera from Linda's Fun has said... Any chance, Dom, we can draft a gun batsman from somewhere around the world that can actually play? Thank you, Cheris. That's an interesting one. They have had a, a tough history of the international stars that have come across and haven't quite lived up to expectations, but that'll be interesting to see. It's been such a big morning so far, Jack. It's back, exciting. And back to Colin Carter, Flash, from your point of view. How, how did you find uh, the way he spoke about Tasmanian football? Definitive. Um, he's very measured in everything he says, as always, but... 
his words, his method and what he's done, and he spent so much time on it. it. It's very clear cut, and I loved what he said at the end there. He said, I've always wondered why we, we, we're still propping up the 10th team in Victoria, um, but yet we don't care about the first team in Tasmania. That's a pretty That's pretty much all you need to hear. And didn't mind the little drive-by on Tony Ooh. Cochran there as well, where Whack. he just went back and just went, <laughs> went whack there. But uh, overall... Uh, uh, just, just continues to push, it. and it's why you do these reports. And we'll probably never see the the light of day, the 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 full Colin Carter report. But the fact that he's spoken about the viability of Tasmanian football, even the fact that maybe Tasmanian football will, well, what it will suffer if this if this doesn't get up. It- it's hot, real hot. That's hot, that's hot, that's hot, that's hot. That's hot. This is hot. It's so damn hot. Not. There we are, hot or not, thanks to HCI for easy health insurance. Say hi to HCI. Now, Flash, how many times do you reckon you butchered that? Because I've heard multiple, 20, they reckon, in the, in the coverage. I'll settle. I butchered Hot or not, it was 20, was oh. it 20 or less, over and under? Come on, mate. <laughs> I think I think we only mentioned it once, and yes, I did butcher it. But we're thrilled to have HCI on with us. Everyone course, makes Boyd. mistakes, David. Everyone makes mistakes, they and do. that's Except when they you. just call in the big dogs to uh, paint over the cracks. Paint over the cracks. Radio Flashman, you want to start us off with okay. hot or not today? Hot or not? The AFL should revise the Medi sub rule to take away any questions of integrity. Well, hot or not? Uh, no, I think this is probably hot because it's it's. Are you hot? It is so. Um, it's so hard for the for the docs at uh, at yes. AFL level to make that call, and whether a player is still fit and able to play in an AFL game. Uh, I, I quite like the idea of Luke Beveridge is saying just give us five on the bench, and and maybe that is the answer that five players to be able to rotate through is the way forward. Um, because it's, who one doctor may justify an injury differently to a different doctor with that medi sub rule, and we've seen players. Come on and off the ground um, with with all, with all types of injuries. So for mine, no, I think uh, I think probably um, five on the bench would be the the, the way forward. You got an, any ideas on that, well, Flash Man? It, it takes out the loopholes, doesn't it? And obviously, any sporting organisation in the world is going to uh, manipulate something if they can, and um, it really does take out a, an element of you know what's moving the magnets a little bit to suit yourself. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with I'm with the doggies, coach. Yeah, the only other way I think this could happen is if if um, the player sub has to miss a week, other uh, concussion protocol. So, yes, um, maybe then sides may not pull the trigger on actually subbing them uh, because they think they they, they may um, be right to go the next week. So you may just play with three on the bench for a certain period of time if it's late in the game, or or they've got to factor that in as a consequence for for subbing a player out. For a flash man, hot or not, the Jack Jumpers should have made a play for Aaron Baines. Who has signed with the Brisbane Bullets? Wouldn't we have loved to have seen him, Flashman? Hold on, not. Um, look, not. Not. No, no right. Um, not that we wouldn't love Banger in the organisation. By the way, Banger. How good? How good is it to have the big boy back again? I mean, that was a horrific injury. Um, it sport the back end of the Olympics for him as well. Mm. Um, we haven't seen him since. He's got an NBA get out clause, of course, um, as as does Delhi, for example. They've got that. Because that's still their goal, but he's a he's a Queensland boy. He's at home with the Bullets. It's awesome. And, and this, well, we saw Thon. Of course, he looks like he's signed in China, um, which is a little bit disappointing. And that's where the the salary cap's going to be a bit of an issue 
going forward in the NBL and you hope that gets bigger and bigger. But this is cool. It's great for the NBL, but not for the Jack Jumpers because of Will Magne. Yep. You've got him coming back. They're yep. going to, you, you can't pay top dollar to him and then bring him him when they're playing the same position. Do we think, do you think Aaron Baines, is it, is this just the, well, because it's been great seeing the, the footage and, and I only actually so, only saw the footage because Brian Windhorst retweeted it, which is the, the nearly awesome. the top of the pops uh, NBA yep. media, um, media watch. It, is this just the step back to the NBA for him, is it, or, or yep. is he long? Is he thinking long term at the Brisbane Bullets? What is he? Thirty three, thirty four. I think. Yeah. yeah. So, so to me, yeah. Um, I think he gets back in. I think because because what he's developed in the end of his or the last two or three years of his career, especially you know in Boston, um, his time in Phoenix, where he actually had, I mean, Aiton was on the bench there for a little while. White. Baines was start, starting. Um, he, he can shoot the three ball now. A bit like yourself, Jack. He's got that range from outside from 22 feet. Um, oh, that's a complete lie, of course. But he, he really can influence. And any big man that can stretch the floor, um, as Banger does a bit, yeah, he'll get back in the NBA, I reckon, for sure. I'm banking on him. Hold on, not. Ricky Ponting could be, the, could be the biggest influence in Australian sport if he can convince Clarko to coach North Melbourne now. Hot or not, I saw Clark goes into dollar forty or something to be the coach. For the North it's a done deal. Whoa. Yes. Is well, it unders? Well, if Ricky or says, maybe... yeah, I think if Ricky says well, I think this is mm. this is hot. If if this if this is happens, if he can convince yep. Ricky Ponting to do it. It is hot as a pistol as Stop you Stop it. You're yeah. hot. You, you just made the first error of your life there. If you convince Clarko to do it, Ricky Ponting can... can we'll have to go back through the tapes. You don't even know what you said. Well, no. If Ricky can if Ricky can yep. convince Clarko to coach Correct. North Melbourne, that's Definitely. what I was saying. Um, yes. Thanks for picking me up on my, on my floors. Is, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Because Clarko has spoken about the fact that he wants to go to a contender straight away. Now, there's a relationship, obviously, between Ricky and Clarko due to a uh, management company. They yes. come from the um, come from the same management company, but same as Tim Payne, of course. Uh, yeah, I think Justin Langer yep. might be involved yep. there as well. But yeah. it, yep. Oh, geez, it would be a big pickup. We know he's a massive North fan, Ricky Ponting, um, and he's always sort of just just been around. Is there any the... conflict for Punter there? He was on Believe the other day, the Believers <laughs> podcast. I think he <laughs> just to, wants what's we're best. We're trying to stretch him out. To just wants what's best for the uh, for the North Melbourne Football Club. So, um, mm. just, well, that just imagine that. Well, no, it doesn't. Does that just imagine? Being courted by Ricky Ponting, like he's gone and set Oof. the Hurricanes up, obviously with their fantastic new coaching panel. But just imagine getting, just get him. It would be, he would be able to do what a lot of people have tried to have done with Alastair Clarkson, or trying to do with Alastair Clarkson. Yes, yes. At the moment, hot or not, Flashman, the signs from the fans at club headquarters, such as Sack Hinkley plastered uh, at Albert and Oval this week, are fair game. <laughs> well. Look, I guess it is fair game, but grow up. I just don't know why not, people though. would... It's a not. No, it's I mean, not. It, what, not. It's probably a hot. Well, it's probably is a hot. Right. You're hot. Who goes but, to the effort of going what, all what the way, way down to Albert and Oval with a sign to stick it on there and go and sack Hinkley for what purpose? What, what, the board what, ain't going to walk in and go, oh, look, there's a sign. There's, there's, the fans are showing revolt. Let's We better get rid of Ken Hinkley. Like, give me it, a spell. It is... I mean, how do we cess ports here? They... They were none and five. Then they were the hottest team in the competition, nearly. 
They've lost two last two weeks in a row to the two best teams in the competition, allegedly by a couple of goals. Could have won both of those games. They're not. Look, I can understand that it, it all the start was terrible. Um, they're at an interesting spot, Port, and I just, you know, like Robbie Gray, Boke, they, they they're just getting on, aren't they? They're still the engine room. Um, There's enough Ollie there, Wines though. There's yep. enough there underneath the like you. I think I've loved Todd Marshall's year. I think he's gonna, oh, he's going to be he's top he? top three sort of key forward, top five key forward um, in the not too distant future. If he isn't still already knocking on the door, another example is just let the big boys grow a little bit. They're going to take two, three years longer than you know your six foot, hundred eighty three centimetre, eighty kilo winger. We know that. Um, yeah, no, he's good. Hold on, let's move forward. This is this is good. This bloke, he's a star. Joel Silwood will go down as the greatest clubman in Geelong history as he celebrates three fifty this week. Oh no, this is this is super hot. <laughs> this is this is hot. It, 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 and, and to be honest, it's a hundred percent. It has to, doesn't he? Like I know they've got the Reg Hickey stand down yep. there, and and then Curvis name is very strong down there as well, and obviously. Gary Abler Junior and Senior. Um, I, I think the fact that Selwood um, longevity. Oh, can you? I saw a tweet the other day from the Geelong Football Club. So I think six-time All-Australian, um, four-time Most Courageous Player, obviously three-time Premiership Player, most games captained, uh, and a whole host of other awards through the journey. But the one, the one, you go, Sean Grigg who coaches down at Geelong, who's a very good friend of mine, <clears throat> said he's the toughest player he's ever seen. He just throws his body in and puts his body on the line week in, week out, whatever condition it's in. He just yep. has this insatiable attitude to get in the contest. Insatiable. It's a bit so, good for you. I think, you can't argue with that flash. That it, when, it, when it all no. finishes up for Joel Sell, whether it's this year or next year or the year after, whatever it looks like, he's played 350 games and, I mean... The I the, well, suppose the icing on top of the cake would be the fact that he's never captained a premiership before. So and Geelong arguably the best team in the competition at the moment. So maybe this is the year for Joel Seward and the Cats. Just quickly, I've really the parallels between him and Pendlebury are incredible. Different players, we know mm. that, but both at uh, the similar stage of their careers, and both of them three years ago, you might have said, mm, just waning. Both of them have just kept their solid, consistent performance that we've seen through their careers, and they're both stars. Well done, Joel Selwood. Schoolyard pick then, off up against the wall, Pendlebury or Selwood. <laughs> well, uh, I never had a contested position in my rubbish career for OHA and Scottsdale Footy Club, um, and I always admired somebody who can just burrow their head in, get the footy and release to a Spongy wingman. So, Joel Silver for mine. Just. Joel Silver for mine. Got to be ashamed of though doing that. What a leader. We got four. This is a good one. Hold on, not the the Tassie Devils moving into the top two in the NAB league is a sign of how strong the Tassie AFL side can be. Hot or not? Now this is hot. They've got the leading goal kicker at the oh, moment, yeah. currently in the uh, in the NAB league. Uh, there's a young man called Lockie Cowan who is being Oof. sprouted as a f- possible first end. Uh, draft selection, who's showing a lot of signs through through the midfield. Uh, I know Scott McCullum's boy, who I played oh. with, uh, Tommy McCullum, who's been playing in the back yes. half. Um, he is right on the radar of a lot of AFL recruiters. Um, extremely and incredibly 
athletically gifted and has been marking the ball. Uh, something that his old man definitely could not do. One of the greatest tap-on no. players of all time, Charger McCullum, yes. but couldn't catch a cold. Um, no, I think this is this is a sign that, I mean, the, the talent is there. Um, it is. And Jeremy Webley, who the ex-Richmond player and, and uh, ex-Clarence coach, um, has been put in charge of the of the program down there. Good story that. Just a little bit of AFL AFL knowledge and AFL spice has has gone into this program now. And our Modern girls, coach. our girls program, we had four girls drafted under recently. Uh, the under sixteens are doing very well. But were they undefeated? Won, undefeated yep. won the carnival. Um, we saw some famous names, or famous Tasmanian sport football names in that one there. But four girls drafted in the recent um, recent draft and, and arguably looking at sort of three to four players possibly drafted in the in the men's yes. upcoming draft at the end of this year i, I think it's a, it's a healthy sign of where tasmanian football at, is at and maybe we are starting to see already flash that Kids are starting to think, oh, maybe Tasmania's going to have an AFL team. Of course. And maybe the, my journey isn't is, is, isn't uh, off the island or away somewhere else. Maybe Bingo. there's a pathway for me to, to play football for this great state. Hold just, on. Just quickly. Got... Oh, just quickly. Jack, uh, Wingnuts boy, Jack Callan. I'm ahead. I saw his game the other day. He's underage, so he'll be next year, of course. Oh, boy. The Ooh. boy's got some talent like the old man. Hot or not. Jack Ginevan has only himself to blame for the lack of free kicks for the high contact. He is now receiving. I'm really interested in your take here. Well, oh, look, I don't think... It, no, I'm going to say not. not. But, uh, this isn't Jack Ginevan's fault. This is... Because um, a lot of people come out and go, oh, it's the boy who cried wolf and, and all this sort of stuff. He developed a technique that drew free kicks. So, Great. like... Like, let's say Tom Hawkins gets a lot of holding free kicks because he's so big and he's so powerful in the contest. Ginevan has is, is developed this little move, which is a, a little arm raise and shrug, sort of leaning shrug, rightly or wrongly, to, to get free kicks. And now the goalposts have shifted. Um, and because of the media and because of the jungle drums just beating about him and Oh, he's uh, yeah, he does this, and and it's the Ginevan move, and other players are mm. doing the Ginevan. That now the umpires just unconsciously have, have have got this picture in their head, and he's probably been used as examples at, at umpire training. That now, when he gets any top form of um, form of high contact, uh, they look at it differently, and they don't pay it because it's Jack Ginevan. That's solely it. Um, sure. Yeah, flash thoughts? Well, a little bit. Because at the end of the day, um, that was a shocking decision. Yeah, it was a horrible horrible decision. However... I didn't lose any sleep over it, though. (laughs) No, and your first instinct is to win a free kick. Okay? That is your first instinct. So if we can get rid of that going forward, um, the umpires will get it right most of the time, and not all the time. It's It's an awfully hard rule to rule on, of course, but... Yeah, no, that's okay. I, it, it's a starting point. They're going to get better, and these players will learn. Just worry about the footy rather than winning a free kick. Your mindset will change pretty quickly. That's my take on it. Yeah, rightio. Well, very. Uh, it's been a, been a big topic, the old Ginevan free oh, kick here in Victoria this week. Well, Flashman, we are finally coming to the end of the show. Up next will be the captain's run with Sam Edmund. But Com Games, Flash, are you uh, are you a Com Games man? What's the what's the GO there? Uh, no, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. Yep. Um, of course, our Eddie. boy Eddie. 
Eddie. Uh, yeah. We we and, made and we made him. We had him on the show very early on. Uh, Eddie Ockenden, I think when Painting was back, uh, made he was pretty much a stretch. He's been playing for Australia yeah, for about I know, fifteen I know, years, but, but, but um, he got that a, because we put him dude. on the show. We put him on the okay. show. That's it. Uh, no, so yeah, big He's com games. What's favourite sport out of the com games? Athletics. High jump, always high jump. Yep, yep. always has been. Really a reasonable high jumper as a kid. In fairness, um, PB. Oh, one ninety-two-three. <laughs> <laughs> very good. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy well, the Com Games coverage. You can catch that here at SEN in the evenings. Obviously, Birmingham, twenty twenty-two. Yes. Uh, thank you, Flash, for another great week. Good luck back out on the slopes up there at Bully. You're. Uh, I've I've seen some videos. Very defensive skier. You're skiing for your life, <laughs> and generally that is fearful of you falling down the mountain up there at Mount Buller. Uh, we hope you guys have a great weekend. Coming up next, as mentioned, you, the captain's run with the captain's run. Sorry, with Sam Edmund. This is Jack and Flash on SEN Tassie. Go Tikes!